0: Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal Bank. It's Wednesday, June 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Allison Howard spent 10 years working for the Los Angeles Lakers in corporate partnerships. Did you notice the corporate logos on the Lakers uniforms? I think all NBA teams have them. Well, it was Howard's job to secure those deals among all of her other duties. Now she's in Kansas City. As the first president of the women's professional soccer team, The Current, Howard will lead the organization's branding efforts as it prepares for a future with a new practice facility and stadium. She spoke with us about her role with The Current and leaving one of sports most established franchises for one of the newest. After a break, you'll hear from star soccer writer, Daniel Sperry. He covers The Current and Sporting KC, and we discuss both. Sporting is off to one of the roughest starts in franchise history, sitting in last place in the Western Conference. What will it take to get things turned around? Daniel does the math. Okay, let's get started with new Kansas City current president, Allison Howard. Allison Howard, welcome to Kansas City and to Sportsbeat KC. How is the transition
1: going? Oh, well, thank you. And the the relocation. Oh, yes. Well, uh, I think they're two different answers, but... (laughs) First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, the city, I will say, is already um, a buzz with excitement, which is a part of the reason that I was first attracted to this uh, in the first place, right? So the transition has been, I'm not fully here yet. So um, I'm married, I have two children, two boys that are 10 and 12. Um, they are all still in Los Angeles because their school goes until mid-June. So, um, we will slowly start to make our full family transition um, over the summer. And then last week was my first week. So, um, starting in on the second week, I was here last week, I'm here this week. And it's been very exciting. You know, the first couple of steps are really just to make sure I understand um, who everybody is, what their roles are, and really identify for everybody what the real priorities are, of course. So um, we have our, the training center that's opening uh, in about three weeks. So that is very exciting. And then very quickly on the heels after that, we're going to have our stadium that will open in 2024. So just making sure that again, we stay laser, laser focused on, um, on making sure that all of those different openings um, go as smoothly as possible and that we've checked all the boxes that we need to.
0: Those are going to be tremendous additions to, you know, not only to this organization, but the whole Kansas City sports scene. I mean, it, it, those are wonderful. But let's back up a second, and why don't you, let, let's get into exactly what you're going to be doing. You know, it's one of those positions that has been created, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't have it in the first year of the organization. This is year two, of course, and you are the first president of the Kansas City Current. So... Am, am I wrong? You get to sort of create as you go along and, and uh, along with the longs and uh, just sort of b- build this into uh, you know, what you want it to be or what, what do you see as your uh, priorities for this job?
1: So priority number one is to make sure that the players know that they come first, right? And that's a, that's a mentality that I lived and breathed for 10 years at the Lakers. You know, it's always the players first. And that just breeds a very successful relationship and very harmonious relationship within the entire organization. Um, and then we really want to make sure that the fans feel that they are, are first and foremost, that their voice is being heard, um, that they have friends with us here within the organization, that they can share uh, what they want to see, and that they feel that this new stadium that's coming is theirs and that this is their team. Um, and, and then lastly, of course, the community. Um, the community, we really want to feel like they know that um, they have supporters in us, mm-hmm. that we're going to be out there with them hand in hand, making positive impact all over the city.
0: I'm going to ask you why uh, you left the job with the Lakers to take this position. But first, I, I wanted to just ten years with the with the Los Angeles Lakers, a w- one of the greatest franchises in the history of sports and one of the most popular brands on earth when it comes to you know sports. So, um, what what did you enjoy most about working in uh, in LA with the Lakers and did you get to go to the bubble two years ago and watch him win the championship?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I enjoyed most about working there was the people. You know, I mean it's a it's a hard job. It's a it's a it's a hard job because you wake up every day, and no matter what your role is, right? I mean, if you are in marketing, if you're in media, if you're in community, if you're in corporate partners, if you're in season tickets, your job is to protect that brand. Because to your point, it's a top five brand in the world, right? And so everybody knows about it. So the goal isn't necessarily, you know, even to grow the brand, because all of that just happens so organically. The goal isn't necessarily to make the most money, even though, you know, we were always a top revenue Provider for for the league, right? That also happens organically. So I think that that is what um, I enjoyed the history lessons of what how Dr. Buss, even back in '79 when he first bought the team, all the progress that he made, not only with the Lakers but within the league. And I could tell from my first meeting with Angie and Chris that they're going to do the same thing. But, you know, their goal isn't just Kansas City Current and this stadium. I think they think much bigger than that, right? There is going to be a tremendous amount of more events that we are going to host at this stadium, right? And I think how I like to envision this is we are going to create an incredible playbook that we are going to open up and share with sports teams all over the world of how to do things the right way. And not just in women's sports, men's sports, too.
0: Um, wow, that's the, um, uh, so, all right, so Lakers uh, career, You would it would seem that um, you have a pretty good gig. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, p- pretty good company, pretty good gig, and uh, you come to Kansas City and take this position uh, w- with The Current, which uh, is trying to build its brand, establish mm-hmm. its brand, and trying to tell the world what it is. Lakers didn't need to do that. So in, how is how is the, the job different in that way, creating versus already having the established brand?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it is a different skill set for sure, and I'm going to have to um, work some new muscles. Um, but, you know, one of the greatest things, I give so much credit to the NBA and Adam Silver, um, but one of the best things that the NBA does is they have a, um, a, a, a division within the NBA called Teambo, Team Marketing Business Operations. And the role of Teambo is to make sure that the teams are fierce competitors on the court, but friends from the front office standpoint. So for me, my closest contacts in the league are the Heat, the Celtics, the Knicks, the Warriors, and the Clippers. And if you're a Lakers fan, you know, <laughs> you, you should those name, are some big competitors. Right, right. You, you <laughs> just name pretty much
0: most of the teams I know Lakers fans detest, <laughs>
1: Right, exactly. But those were my guys that, you know, we could, I see that they got a great a jersey patch deal done. I saw they got an international deal done. And I would text them. I would call them, pick their brain. Okay, I saw the story. Give me the real skinny. What really happened, right? And that is something that... You know, I just, I think the NBA does such a great job on but it's information sharing, right? And that's something that, you know, it's this mentality of high tides, raise all boats, right? And that's something I really am looking forward to bringing to this league, right? Like, we are all in this together. It's going to be good for all of us as, you know, the more that we can really um, work together.
0: I, I noticed uh, when the NBA started allowing the uniform patches, mm-hmm. um, I, I remember, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Lakers' first one was Wish. Yep. That was, it's an e-commerce company. Yes. And that was replaced, or, or then after Wish, it was the Korean food company. Yep. Bibigo. Bibigo. Thank you for yes. pronouncing. I didn't want to mispronounce it, but yes. uh, um, those had your fingerprints all over it, I believe. Yes. Right?
1: Yes. <laughs> those were great, great partnerships we learned so much about ourselves um, and you know the the way that the Lakers did it um, you know there's 30 teams within the league within the NBA and I think the Lakers when we first signed Wish it was like this. we were the 16th team or so to sign so we you know we waited um, in order to see just what that fan reaction was right and that's so that's another really big important you know, transferable um, characteristic that I'm bringing over here is to make sure that we're listening to the fans, right? What I, we never at the current are gonna wanna do a deal where our fans in the stands or on our social media or on our website are gonna cock their head to the side and say, what the hell are they doing with that company? (laughs) Right? You know, like this is gonna be, if we vetted this organization, and especially as we move into the big partnerships with the stadium, and the founding partners that we're going to get there are kit partners, um, we are going to want our fans to feel a hundred percent confident that we have vetted who these companies are and that we can we proudly wear them on our chest or on the sta- as the stadium naming rights or as a founding partner.
0: How about the appeal of working for a women's professional sports team and in a women's professional league um, th- that hasn't been your background. Yeah. Uh, but but now you're you know you're the president of a of a team in the in the uh, the women's soccer professional league and um and it is growing and trying mm-hmm. to find its place in in the you know in, in on the sporting in the sporting conscience of the country but uh doing a pretty good job of it, as, yep. as far as I can tell so far um, and was was there a like just an additional appeal to you to not only to it, it, uh, what amounts to something of a startup team but mm-hmm. Uh, One in a women's league
1: Yes, absolutely I really love building I really love building Right And I got an opportunity to do it You know, obviously at the Lakers Such an established brand There was nothing I could really do to build the brand But I could build incredible relationships And I could build incredible partnerships And that's what I love doing And so then Being able to come over here And literally build my own team And create this culture that I think we can do tremendous things with that, you know, I want our employees to feel like this is the best place to work in not only Kansas City, but all of sports. Because that will be felt when they come to the stadium, when they interact with the fans, when they interact with the season ticket members, when they're interacting out with our you know community events, all of that. And, and again, that's just a part of the playbook of how I think we should do things. That then we're going to go ahead and, and share with everybody that that needs it.
0: How cool is it going to be to open a new stadium?
1: Oh, I cannot <laughs> wait. I was so I was a part of this back in two thousand nine. I worked at Premier Partnerships, and at the time, Premier—that's uh, with Randy Bernstein, Alan Rothenberg, and um, big, big
0: I, soccer. Alan Rothenberg huge. is a huge, huge name in soccer. Yeah. If You don't know from a different generation. You know he was. <clears throat> He was at the '84 Olympics when soccer was putting 100,000 people in the in the stadium. That's
1: exactly so. correct. Peter Ubroth um, yep. had had tasked Allen with that, and then uh, Allen was the one who got the World Cup to come over to the United States in, in 90, ninety in ninety four. Ninety four for the
0: men and yep. ninety nine for the women.
1: Yes. And but with the ninety-four, he had said to FIFA, fine, we'll, you know, we'll we'll um, we'll take the World Cup, but you're gonna you're gonna give me Major League Soccer. We're gonna get it started here, right? So he's the godfather behind it all. Um, and and Randy Bernstein um, it started right there on the ground floor right. with him too. So um, huge soccer um uh, concentration there, and I was fortunate enough to get to work on um, the Philadelphia Union. And there was kind of a joke. I was pregnant with my first child in 2009, and Terry Lefton from Sports Business Journal had written this this article about me of which naming rights is going to come first: Allison's first child, <laughs> or what then became PPL Park uh, at the time. So, and that was you know just being able to build that and. See how it all can come together, right? But when you're an agency, you know it's it's not as um, it's not as you know probably intense when you're coming at it from the team side as well, right? Because when you're the team, you're the one that's that's getting the phone calls from the season ticket members who are potentially unhappy with you or really happy with you about something or, you know, or the partnership calls or the community calls, you're fielding all of those. Like, I want you guys to come out for this and I want you guys to come out for that. Right. Like when you're the team, you're really, you're in it right for all of it, all, right. you know, all the highs and lows.
0: Um, I'm glad you brought up premier partnerships. That's they they work not only in soccer, but other, other sports as well. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, LA based, uh, company there, and, you, and, and that you left that company to work for the Lakers. Yes, you left the Lakers to come here. Um, how about maybe we should have talked about this earlier? But how about tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from originally? And two kids you have mentioned, yeah. uh, two sons, twelve and uh, and ten uh husband i imagine they'll be joining you in kansas city soon mm-hmm. but uh yeah tell us about uh, your, your your background and and maybe grow your sports interest yeah as, as a youth
1: so i was born in minnesota um but grew up in michigan and obviously, hopefully I get a chance to meet all of your viewers. But um, as you know, I'm probably five foot three on a good day. <laughs> so um, I did not get the height in my family. Um, but I was a big athlete growing up, huge proponent of sports. Just I think it's so important to develop um, all the strong characteristics of showing up for your team and dependability and um, teamwork and learning to deal with highs and learning to deal with lows. Um, both of my children are athletes. Um, and so sports was always a really, really big part um, of my life growing up. And I remember that was a part of my – but then I, I didn't play in college. Um, and But I remember that was one of my first interview questions um, with Randy and just kind of, you know, going back and forth of how important, um, you know, participating in sports really is from you know a young age and and he had said to me um I appreciate your love of sports but you know nothing about the business of sports so that was almost 20 years ago so um I've certainly you know been fortunate enough to to grow in my uh knowledge of the business of sports too you
0: could have been describing a sports writer there too as like well. <laughs> love of sports no knowledge of the business um uh Dayton
1: flyer yes yes it was a great school um, I actually got my civil engineering degree, um, so obviously uh, did a bit of a career jump. That's uh, that's actually how I came to find Premier Partnerships. I was employee number five when Premier was was really small. And and that's really the reason that, um, how I was able to grow so quickly was Randy really took me under his wing. I mean, we traveled all over the country, all the different properties that we represented, and I just soaked up all of his knowledge. Fantastic.
0: Well. Allison Howard, it was great having you on the show today. Continued uh, success in your career, and best of luck with, with the Kansas City Current. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
0: Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them there is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Daniel, how are you doing
2: today? Doing good, Blair. Thanks for uh, thanks for chatting me up for this one. Yeah, Maybe get back in and talk some soccer.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, you and I we sat next to each other at the at the Kansas City Current game on Monday on Memorial Day. Got to see a mm-hmm. uh, a home team victory. We don't get to see many of those.
2: I've not seen a lot of those across Kansas City sports the last uh, last while.
0: <laughs> right, name the sport, and it's just been it's been a rough spring for uh, for the professional sports scene in Kansas City. We'll get to the current in a little bit and. I did want to talk. Uh, begin by talking about Sporting Kansas City, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what—I'm just not used to seeing Sporting Kansas City at the bottom of the table in the uh, in the Western Conference. It is a jolt yeah. to see, and they are—they're not tied for last. They are in last mm-hmm. place uh, with, with by by points. And what what a tough season for Sporting KC. Now I'm saying this. They actually have not played poorly in the last few weeks, right? They they only oh. had one loss in their last, uh, what is it, eight games going into Saturday's loss against Vancouver uh, through yeah. all the competitions. Nevertheless, it just hasn't been a good season at all for Peter Vermees' club. And we've talked about it a little bit, the injuries and players playing out of position. Um, how about elaborating on those? Uh, on those factors and, and what else might be causing Sporting Kansas City to have the season it's having?
2: Well, I, I don't, the injuries are brutal. Uh, you know, this, this, this stretch, um, the seven games in 22 days uh, that they played here um, was pretty, uh, pretty rough. Uh, it included a lot of every single midweek. They had some, at uh, the middle of the week, they had a game every single weekend, they had a game. And on the weekends for three weekends in a row, they pretty much traveled out of Kansas City either to Portland to or to New York to Portland and to San Jose um, while having a few uh, weekend matches here in KC and it just uh, you know out of even weather changing goes from cold to hot immediately those heat those those games uh, taxing on players when there's no build up through the seasons and all of a sudden you're in summer weather Um, and so I think there's I, I mean I'm i'm not certainly want, I'm not necessarily trying to make excuses for them but when you have the injury crisis that you're going through um with them i mean at times they they were having to call up players from skc2 um to even fill out a bench one of them even started in the open cup game against fc dallas out of position as a right wing back um even ended up uh, as a right wing later on in the game and nearly scored a goal uh with spencer glass and so i there's so many injury issues that have been going on. You've seen it uh, kind of really play out the most after Daniel shallowey's red card in those last two league matches that Sporting had to play. Daniel Shaloui, um, uh was suspended for the one at San Jose, where he um, uh, had uh, where the Sporting went out and played a lineup that saw Johnny Russell play it's, uh, as the main striker and had remy walter on the right and cam duke on the left and then they had to run out that same exact lineup against vancouver um because daniel picked up an extra game suspension on that they added another game tacked on to that um you know thankfully for sporting he was able to play in the game against uh houston uh on last wednesday in the open cup so i think uh you know those having to play that lineup so the way it is i mean there's Johnny Russell's the main offensive threat in the game against San Jose and the game against Vancouver. They were able to bring Marino Sionis off the bench. Um, and he was literally the only attacking sub that they had available for either of those games. The injuries to Gotti Kinda and Alan Polito um have uh out for the season. We already know that. We've talked about that, you know, at ad nauseum at this point. But so those guys aren't even in the picture. And so now not only are you two attackers short, then you're at, you know. Kyrie Shelton's injured Nikola Vunovic was filling in for an injured Kyrie Shelton and it looked like he tore his Achilles apparently he didn't tore his Achilles and he's you know doing okay and there there's a even some hope that he'll be back um when they restart play on June 12th that he'll be able to be in the mix there but um you know I just it, it is such a difficult time that they've gone through um and honest I, I'll be honest you know that that situation for Shallowey, um I know it wasn't ideal I don't that he necessarily meant to absolutely crush nicholas mesquita as he did but you know it's really unfortunate that that situation happened because i think daniel shallow is the difference um for in, in a result for that game for sporting kc on uh on saturday night um and maybe even the difference in a result in san jose for sporting kansas city as well so um you know i think sporting showed really well in san jose and for the most part against vancouver they were fine they dominated possession um passing wasn't as incisive uh wasn't as accurate um but johnny russell had two uh wonderful chances on the doorstep that he blew and he after the match he said you know i've gotten a lot of praise over the last few weeks but those are chances i have to put away um and i i hold my hand up and i take responsibility for that because it costs us tonight and it did uh you know they those that penalty kick was a you know a, a real illegitimate penalty kick call as a mistake from murray roselle after he made a really nice tackle and got up and made one more that he probably didn't need to make and all of a sudden you know there's a penalty kick and then johnny russell had the two chances that he missed and that that could have been a 2-1 result for sporting Shallowy maybe even helps turn the tide of that one even more too for them. So a little bit more creativity in the attacking third in that second half for them. So, uh, it's a frustrating run of results for them. Um, after, like, as you said, you know, it felt like things were going good every single time. It feels like this team has some momentum, something happens and it knocks them back down a little bit. So it'll be very interesting to see how they rally and return, um, after this break, I don't think that they will train at all this week. They'll probably return to training next week. And, uh, you know, they, they've got they, they've got a week to clear their heads or get continue to get healthy, continue to recover and not put more a ton more minutes on their body and try and get right and come back because this, you know, they're they're nearly halfway through the season at this point And they've got a, a, a large mountain to climb if they want to make the postseason.
0: You're right. They just can't seem to turn the corner when it looks like at least they're approaching the corner. They uh, they, they can't seem to make the turn. Good time for a break for them, but are they are they buried too deep in the standing for them to be a playoff team this year? But my hope with the slow start was, you know, they would uh, they would shake off the early season doldrums. Uh, they they would um, you know they pick up some points along the way until they got to the midseason mark, and then you'd see them accelerate down the stretch. Uh, but but a result like the one Saturday against uh, Vancouver that that was particularly discouraging and those were teams you know battling in the basement and Sporting couldn't get it done so is there is there any kind of light at the end of the tunnel here for Sporting I don't know about that
2: um this is a, it kind of. it's going to depend on whether or not they can really stay healthy in the second half of the season because you know they're already relying really heavily on their depth um when they're at their full strength at this moment they won't be able to even sign a player um to return like to help bolster the squad until july 7th um after that they'll probably they'll have played at least four league games uh at maybe five at that point um so they can't you know until they they can't even get that addition in um i know speeder has talked about adding a player that they really need to add in the in this summer window that'll come up and in, in July. But if they don't do that, you know, or if it takes a little while there, you know, okay, cool. They might have 10, 12, 15 games left by the time at best, by the time that player even gets into the mix. Um, and that is going to be a really crucial stretch about where the, where they're sitting in the standings when that happens and how much that player can actually help. But at the moment, you know, like I said, as we mentioned, they're last in the West, they have picked up, um, you know, their average is 0.87 points per game. The last few years, the cutoff line to make the postseason in MLS is 50 points. Um uh, if you can make if you can hit the 50 point mark, you're probably in the postseason. That for 34-game regular season averages out to 1.47 points per game. So that's how far sporting are off the mark for that current average. So I looked at it, they have 19 games left if they want to hit 50 points um uh they're going to need to get 1.94 points per game over the next stretch which was what they were doing last season (laughs) you know uh, the last couple years where they were finishing top near the top of the west that's what they were pulling in was about 1.8 1.9 points per game so they're going to have to reach that form i don't know if that they're i don't know that that's possible i don't know if that's going to happen to get to that 50 point mark if it does it's going to be an incredibly impressive turnaround um, but it's a really big battle to climb. And I, uh, you know, at that, at that point, at a, a, basically you can say they need to get two points per game um, from here on out, which is win at home, draw on the road. You really can't afford very many losses in that, in that scenario. So, you know, it'll be about picking up a lot of wins at home and managing these results on the road, you know, their last outside of that loss to. Portland. Um, you know, they've they've been able to get a few road results as of late, um, some ties both in New York and in San Jose. But uh, you know, at those that's gonna have to be much more consistent um down this uh, you know, the, the final stretch run if they're going to make the postseason.
0: That's some good math. That is a tall order for for sporting to to reach in the last second half of the season. Okay, hey, let's switch gears. Um, as I said earlier, we we saw um the Kansas City current. Uh, pick up its first victory of the season, and you covered the game. Mm-hmm. What um, uh, I think I turned to you early after after the current had scored their goal um, two minutes in, and I I still thought Louisville was the better team on the field that day and would would find a way to push through and get the win, but it never happened. And I thought, to be honest with you, I thought the current got better as the game went on, um, and and was the better team in the second half. I thought Louisville was the better team in the first half, but but the current in the second half. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nice victory, to, just to get on the board, and um, and then we got to talk to a couple of players afterwards. What, uh, uh, what what does it mean for the cor- current to just to you know just to get some points and to feel good about itself uh, as as the season progresses?
2: Well, I know. Uh, I think as as Lola Bonta said, it feels like at times the Kansas City they have their their team joke or they're saying that you know if if it's not Kansas City, or something bad doesn't happen, and you know they they went on that that road trip in uh, LA uh, against Angel City and then on the road at, against Seattle with, without four pretty key players that were uh players that have featured in pretty much every single one of their matches mm-hmm. at this point that were out with uh, COVID-19 head coach, Matt Potter didn't travel with the team because he was out with COVID-19. And so they, they got a draw in Orlando, make it two, two Um, they were, they should have won that game. It was a really poor penalty call at the end um, that was given to Orlando that made it two, two after the current were winning two, one. So they felt like they had turned the corner uh, and earned some momentum. And, um, you know, all of a sudden they're hit by COVID. They lose one, nothing in LA on their own goal, fluke um, situation that they couldn't really control. They lose um, what they, I think, Seattle or the, the, the rain, which are in Seattle, um, lumped in, I think over nearly 40 crosses in that match. Um, and it was cross number 38 that they had dealt with 37 correctly and 38 the cross of the match or something like that, um, was the one that did them in. And so I think that's just such a frustrating, uh, situation for them. They were so close to to really getting back to the winning results and the winning ways and the danger that we saw out of this team in the challenge cup. And, you know, that is, that, that kind of showed up a little bit yesterday. I think at times they were patient enough to be dangerous. Sometimes they weren't very patient with the ball and were just kind of conceding possession, but defensively, um, they worked really, really hard. Jess McDonald, CC Kaiser, um, you know, there's Vanessa DiBenedetto. There's a lot of really good players on that on that Louisville team um, that are really difficult players to to deal with. And Liz Ball in the middle of that back three was a is a young defender. She's flanked by two rookies and Alex Laura and uh, Jenna Weinbrenner. And you know that back line held really strong. There was one incredible save from AD French. You know, French has uh, been a long time veteran in this league. And uh, she came up with a huge, huge save um, to keep that game one nothing almost right after um, they had given up that or they got that penalty kick. So, very impressive defensive work from them, very impressive defensive organization from them uh, and their work without the ball. I'd like to see a little bit more from them when they're working with the ball. Um, You know, this is still uh, out of their six games in the NWSL regular season. They have two goals that have come from. open or live play, um, and not off of a penalty kick or a set piece out of their three goals that they've scored in those six games. Um, so I'd like to see their, them creating more chances from the run of play. Uh, but other, other than that, you know, I think that was, that was a good gritty win, um, as many of them kind of mentioned after the game and something that'll help give them momentum. They've got a, a lot of home games coming up here, um, in the next few weeks coming up on Saturday night, they'll play San Diego, um, here with, I think Alex Morgan coming to town. So that's a it's going to be a really cool match for that one, and uh, one for them that they, I'm sure they're hoping to really build that momentum off of uh, yesterday's victory.
0: Some other big events coming up uh, in Kansas City uh, on on Saturday is I think I've got the day right or I'm sorry Sunday Sunday, yeah. Sunday U.S. Men's National Team in a, in a friendly against Uruguay, and this is the this is the A team coming to Kansas City. This is the team that uh, mm-hmm. we're going to see in in Cutter in in. Um, in the fall, for the most part. And uh, a couple of weeks after that, we will have an announcement about the World Cup. I think uh, mm-hmm. June 16th is the day for the World Cup announcement. It's going to be made in New York. And, um, and everybody in Kansas City has their fingers crossed that uh, the Kansas City's name will be called Yes. When, um When when the announcement is made, you got a you got a feeling about it. Are you just typically Kansas City optimistic about this?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Um, I for those of those of people who have been following me, they know I'm not necessarily a Kansas City native, um, but I. You're uh, a California guy. I'm ahead. a California guy. Yes, I grew up in the Bay Area, but. Um obviously I've spent the last six, seven years here in Kansas City at this point. Um, I, I think Kansas City's got a good shot. They've got to put something in the Midwest They can't go totally coastal, um, polar coastal here. Um, that I don't think I don't think the US Soccer Federation would allow that. Um, and I, I'd argue that Kansas City's got the strongest bid in terms of stadium size um is necessary. And I think there's a lot of um it's in good shape. It's in very good public infrastructure shape around here. Um, and I think that, that there's a lot of momentum and a lot of growth and a lot of um, positive things out of soccer in Kansas City that um, the people who, from FIFA who were here got to see, uh, got to experience. They were here for the women, saw the women's support, and we've got you know two really awesome franchises uh, owned by own local owners who really deeply care about their teams and their team's uh, integration within the community. So. Um, I, I would like the the positive thinker in me says yes. It'd be great to see Kansas City. The negative thinker of me thinks FIFA sees you know big city names and flashy lights all up and down the coastlines, um, and that might be uh, an attractive uh, area for them. But uh, I'm I'm holding out hope. I think Kansas City has got the best shot out of any of the Midwest cities. Um, and I think it's going to be uh, a really, if they don't get games, they'll certainly house teams here because um, there's plenty of opportunities uh, and places for teams to train and, and be housed here. But I, I would be really shocked if Kansas City didn't end up uh, with games uh, being played here for the 2026 World Cup.
0: Right. And from a base camp standpoint, that could be just as lucrative for a local financial uh, standpoint as as having games here but that won't be known until about a year out from the games of you right. know, where uh, what countries will be using what cities as base camps. okay yeah it's very great catching up with you and uh, mm-hmm. let's do it again soon.
2: as always, Blair, thanks again.
0: That'll do it for today. thanks to our sponsor first Federal bank. find them at ffbkc dot com. Randy Mason produced today's show. Thank you, Randy. And to the Beat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Allison Howard and Daniel Sperry for sharing their insights. Good stuff in today's morning sports edition, including coverage of Rafael Nadal's victory over Novak Djokovic in the French Open and the Colorado Avalanche taking game one of the Stanley Cup Western Conference Finals. Check it out on liveedition.kansascity.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with another edition of Beat KC.